Good morning. Welcome to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here. I want you to take out your bulletin and um, open it up to the um, first two pages, first three pages, two and three. And notice we've shaped our announcements now in our five practices as best as possible. These are the things that we try to live out uh, in our words, in our action, in our worship, in our gathering. And so you'll see those categorized. And we try to do our announcements that way as well in our newsletter. We are wrapping up the program year. So we have a number of announcements and I need you to hang in there because they're important. Good morning. I'm Erin Knight, Director of Children and Family Ministries, and I wanted to tell you about our last Supper, of, Supper at Six for the spring. It'll be May 3rd. For those of you who are visitors, we have a fellowship and usually some kind of entertainment the first Wednesday of every month during the school year at 6 o'clock. Um, this one, the menu is in your bulletin, but there are lots of good choices. I think everyone will be pleased. The cost is 8 for adults and 6 for children. And if you'd like to register to join us, uh, we'll need your, your name and information by April 30th. Uh, still plenty of time. Uh, but you can just mark the roster as, you, as the attendance roster comes to you and tell us how many children and, and adults will be in your party and we'll save a spot for you. Um, that will also be the night we do VBS training. Vacation Bible School volunteers will stay after the dinner. Child care will be provided for both ages, um, like the nursery age and the elementary age children. Um, but let me know if you plan to bring your child so I can make sure I have appropriate numbers of volunteers for that. Um, and I'm really excited about what we're going to learn and talk about. I did also want to say thank you for the hospitality you all showed me over the past month. I've had surgery, as many of you know, um, but I got meals, prayers, volunteers covering for me, um, a, a wealth of support, uh, and I really did realize during that time what my memorial family means to me and how much love and support you offer, and I appreciate that so much. I'm doing better. Uh, my voice is not what it used to be, but it's getting there, and um, no pain just trying to keep from uh, sleeping all day long. So <laughs> it's, it's a little ways to go, but I feel great, and I thank you all for your help. I'll tell you what I told them is that my right arm is not on campus for the next three weeks. So I'm going left-armed. left, left -armed it. So thank you. Uh, glad you're back, Erin. We believe in passionate worship. And you'll see the verbal announcements aren't necessarily in the bulletin. We want you to take those with you and have them on the refrigerator. Um, this is an important one. I need you to hear exactly what I'm saying. From this point, all the way around the church to that point, we have a person who is an expert in plaster, of which there are not very many, who is going to tear our plaster down to the nub and replace it, and then a painter is going to come behind them and repaint it. That plaster, if you look, I can't see it necessarily from here, but if you look from out there, you'll see various cracks that could get to a point that um, move beyond form that aren't pretty to actual function and could actually harm someone. So we, either May 7th, or May 14th, I'll know for certain, next Sunday, we'll begin having 11 o'clock worship in the FLC gym. We'll be in there for four to six weeks based on the time that it takes to tear down the plaster and replace it and paint the entire sanctuary. So we'll be out of here, but we will be having 11 o'clock worship. It'll just be in the gym. Um, we'll meet tomorrow to talk about how we can make this that service in that space as, um, as simple as possible and as, as similar to what we do uh, in this space, except I'll have the use of a screen, which would be fun. I'll use that. So please tell people um, if they see us not in the building that we are actually having worship 50 yards that way um, in the Family Life Center. 
And I'll know for certain next Sunday whether it's the 7th or the 14th. We believe in intentional faith development. You'll see all kinds of announcements about that in the bulletin. And that begins in earnest again tonight for um, children, youth, and adults. We're um, back all the way uh, on Sunday night starting tonight at 5 and um, will be uh, till the end of the school year. We believe in risk-taking mission and service. And Carol Johnston in our choir is the organizer for Relay for Life, uh, talking about uh, cancer survivors and our support of them and the fight against cancer. And Carol has an announcement for us. Uh, uh, Relay is a team fundraising event where team members take turns walking around a track or designated path. Each team is asked to have a member on the track at all times to signify that cancer never sleeps. Cancer patients don't stop because they're tired and for one night neither do we. Each team sets up a theme campsite at the event and continues their fundraising efforts by collecting donations for food, games, and activities. This money will count towards their overall team fundraising goal. Our event is from 6 to 11.30, not 1, on May the 19th at Greer City Park with a survivor dinner at 5 at City Hall. Registration for the dinner ends on April 28th. I have relay t-shirts in orange, pink, and burgundy for $15. And I'm going to sell after the service in the back. Another order is possible on May the 6th if I don't have your size. Um, every American Cancer Society Relay for Life event requires one chaperone older than 25 for every 10 youth team members. For this event, a youth is considered anyone younger than 18. In addition to completing and turning in a youth participant agreement, the youth participant must also complete an event registration form, either online or a scannable form. I can get the children registered through the event coordinator with their name, address, and phone and parents' name. The only online registration will only take one email address per person, so see me and I can get you registered and see me for forms. Don't forget to bring your chairs or blankets. I'd like to get an idea of who will be there and when so we can have it covered all night. Please see me and give me a timeline of your plans. We are selling water, Coke, Sprite, and Pepsi at the event. Any and all help and extra ice chests are welcome. Please see me for any questions. Uh, CPW is the winning team right now. Let's beat them. Let's do this. It's been bog. Go team. <laughs> thank you, Carol. And thank you all for paying attention. And please take your bulletin home with you uh, for all kinds of helpful information. If you'll stand as you're able and join us in hymn number 729.
let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first scripture lesson today is from the book of Psalm, chapter 16, verses 1 through 6. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. This is the word of God for the people of God.
Let us pray. Lord, as we read this story today and we hear of an angry crowd on the outside of the door, as we hear the building of a community, as we hear the individual personal struggle of those trying to follow you, it's not hard for us to identify. But when we figure that story was long ago and you were on earth long ago and here we are alone, we pray today that you would help us by reading this story to understand the significance of your presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Be with us this day, Lord, as we take open this holy text of you appearing to the disciples in their brokenness, in their pain, in their sadness. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering. And if you would like to give online or text to give, you'll see on how to do that in the extravagant generosity section of your bulletin.
Please be seated. I invite you to turn to page 1686 in your pew Bible or a couple pages within that if you have a slightly different one. For our gospel reading today, John chapter 20, starting with verse 19. And I'll read portions of it, so if you'd like to read along, if you'll keep it open. Before we begin, let's talk about locks. You got locks on inner doors. You got locks on sections of the building. We have locks on the outside of the building. You have locks on your car. You have locks on your iPhone or any other phone that you have. You have locks in your home. You have a lock on your shed. How does a motorcycle not start? Do you have to have a key to put it in the motorcycle? Anybody ride a motorcycle? Yeah? So you take the key and turn it in just like everything. Yeah, okay. So everything has a lock on it. And I'm guessing in almost every case, your locks are a deterrent for someone doing something to take something from you that's valuable to you. You don't want someone to take your phone. You don't want someone to take your car. You don't want someone to take your valuables from inside your home or from inside your church or inside your office. How many of you have locked a door to save your very life? The people on the other side of that locked door could literally take your life just as they did Jesus' life. See, that's what's different about this story. We lock things as a deterrent. They figured they were locking something to preserve their very life. John 20, starting with verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were working were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want you to turn to your neighbors on each side and say, Peace be with you. Let me tell you why that matters. These boys needed peace. They needed to hear that. First and foremost, because there's a crowd outside that is not peaceful. That in no way, shape, or form wants them to be okay, wants them to thrive. In fact, they want to threaten them to the level of their stopping or carrying it out and actually harming them. And these boys heard, peace be with you. Since day one, people have impeded Jesus and his disciples up in Galilee. They told them they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. They shouldn't be saying what they're saying. They shouldn't be doing what they're doing and saying what they're saying on the Sabbath. They shouldn't be including those people. They shouldn't be including those people. They shouldn't be healing those people. But they were basically impeding. Once Jesus and his disciples started to travel to Jerusalem, those crowds started to be a little more menacing and threatening their life. If you keep this up, if you keep saying what you're saying, if you keep, according to us, taking the Lord's name in vain as a human being, we will literally take your life. And then finally, in the days that we talked about last week, in Jerusalem, those crowds actually delivered on that promise and took Jesus' very life. So there's a crowd just outside 
said, well, I mean, we, we have a trustee that goes through and locks all the doors behind us so we don't make a mistake. But if we had to lock our doors for fear that everyone in Greer, if they figured out that we were Christians, were coming to get us, we would understand the pain and the fear and the confusion of these disciples. And Jesus walks in the door, walks through the door, and says, peace be with you. Verse 21. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Turn to your neighbors and say, Peace be with you again. This one is in response to the community that they were trying to build. You know how different we are? And we're pretty similar. Imagine people of that time coming from very different religious faiths, very different interpretations even within those faiths, very different nationalities, differences on how much they should accept of the previous religion that they had and how much they should set aside or um, uh, uh, update. And I'm guessing, if they're anything like us, very different on the scale of grace and accountability. If grace is here and the um, lectern is accountability, I'd be interested to see where each of y'all would find yourselves on that scale of what absolutely needs to be given to other people. Uh, uh, you know, on the far end is um, people need to be told that they're doing something wrong. They need to be told that they're going to fix it. They need to be given consequences because if they don't, something's really bad is going to happen to them. That'd be the far end. Grace would be, um, you know what, it's hard. It's really hard. And God loves us. God said God loves us right where we are. You know, the two extremes, like any debate on any subject, are not likely right. But where do we find ourselves in that scale? And Jesus is saying to these disciples and to the communities in which they will build, forgiveness is in your hands. Where are you on that scale? So let's do this. How many of y'all want to put forgiveness in teenagers' hands? Teenagers decide who's forgiven and who's not. How many of y'all want to put it in uh, 30s hands? I'm still 39. i got one more year. How many of y'all want to put it in baby boomers' hands? How many of y'all want to put it in the greatest generation's hands? And say, your group will decide who's forgiven and who's not forgiven. Anybody want to go with any of those groups? Do you even, when I called out your group, go, I don't know about our group deciding that? He's saying, your community is going to decide who gets forgiveness and who does not. But he doesn't say just you. He said he breathes the Holy Spirit on them and says the Holy Spirit will be with you. This is something Jesus says in the back third of every gospel. I'm going to leave you. They can't fathom that. Just like a dear loved one that's in your life who has been a mentor for so long, you cannot fathom them not being with you, not being able to pick up the phone and call them or text them and ask them a question. You can't fathom it. 
even for years after it happens. He says, I'm not going to be with you, but I'm sending one to be with you, the Holy Spirit. And see, that's what's so significant. You know how many meetings we have around here? A lot. Especially on Mondays. You know how many tough decisions we have to make on Monday nights? A lot. You know how long we've talked about doing this process? Long time. You know how long we talked about using the McClyman funds to help pay for this process? Long time. You know how many different opinions we have around the table as we're doing that? Um, well, it's a pretty simple formula. It's the number of people that are sitting around the table. Right? And what do we say just prior to the meeting? Although sometimes we get about five minutes in and figure it out. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's pray first. Gracious God, inform our decision making. Remind us of the significance of our leadership positions. Help us to understand the entire process. And helpful to be respect, help us to be respectful of others. And then all of a sudden, a major decision is in the hands of 8 to 12 people. Jesus says, If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not. I am making you the faith community. He's saying that to the disciples. Meanwhile, these guys didn't even know if there was going to be a faith community before he walked through the door because their leader has been crucified and the people surrounding them are saying, you're going to not exist in about 10 days. Jesus defiantly walks through the door and says, no, there's going to be a community. And I'm telling you now what the significance of that community is going to be. And before he says it, he says that word, that phrase, peace be with you. You know why? Because you're going to need it. Man, you're going to need it as you build this community. Verse 24. This is the famous part of this text. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe him. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Turn to your neighbor. What are you going to say? Peace be with you. Say it. It matters. Why does it matter? Because we all individually have gone through some pretty tough things. We've gone through difficult relationships. We've gone through difficult health issues. We've gone through different occupations and different transitions and difficult changes in all of those things combined at times. And those things sometimes leave traumatic marks on us that become a lens through which we see the rest of the world, period, until it's changed. Thomas's lens is simple. He saw his hero, his savior, his mentor, judged by that crowd, chosen, uh, uh, a murderer chosen over him, and then placed on a cross. And he saw that happen to his hands and to his side and to his feet. And for Thomas, the world is through that lens now. 
That's not hard to understand, is it? We're all shaped by our experiences, sometimes even negative ones are the primary ones that shape the way we feel, the way we think, the way we speak. And so I think Thomas has gotten some negative headlines about this text. And of course, every human being looks back and goes, man, what went wrong there? And my goodness, who was to blame for it? And when I was 23 years old, I haven't thought about this in 15 years. When I was 23 years old, I did a thing in my two little country churches where I left the pulpit and took my robe off and came out in glasses. That was my costume to be Thomas. And I made a pitch of why I, Thomas, would have had a difficult time to try to give him a little respect. I don't know what the people in the congregation thought of that little 23-year-old up there doing that, but who knows. The significance is that illness, work trouble, our desire for recreation, our apathy occasionally calls us to miss worship experiences, to miss the community for a couple days or a couple weeks or a couple months or a couple years or a couple decades at a time. And when our individual experiences draw us away from the community for an extended amount of time, we miss opportunities where we hear, peace be with you. And we figure it's an individual sport, this life. And then if anybody's going to make it, we're the only ones that's going to make it happen. And my goodness, we're not going to get any help with it. And my goodness, there's not going to be any peace in this world. That's where Thomas is. Y'all ever feel that way? That's where Thomas is. Jesus goes right to him and says, I want you to feel. It's right here. And I'm right here. I'm right here. In this community that I'm calling you to build, I'm going to need you to help build it. So you see what you need to see in order to help build this community. Think Thomas was an engineer? You know engineers? They like details. They want to know exactly what happened. They want to deconstruct the whole thing and they can explain to you with infinite detail exactly what the situation is. Did you hear what I said in the announcements? I said, we're going to tear this stuff down <laughs> and put it back. A real person can tell you exactly what that means and how it's going to happen and what it's going to take for it to happen and what they see is the problems as to what caused it and what to fix it. I'm not that dude. So I need that guy. So can we make fun of Thomas? No. No, we try to understand where we are with Thomas and how we can understand Jesus saying, you see what you need to see. You hear what you need to hear in order to believe. So he says, peace be with you with three very different sections of this text. He says, may peace be with you in this crowd that's surrounding you that may or may not want you to succeed. I think there's way less violence in America towards um, uh, Christianity, of course, than these guys experience. What we have is something that's equally dangerous, doesn't, just doesn't harm us, and that's apathy. When the crowd, they don't care. They don't care what's going on in here or how it could affect them. He says, peace be with you in your pursuit to reach those crowds. He says, peace be with you in the challenges of creating a new community with all these different opinions. He says, peace be with you overcoming the difficulty of your own barriers deep down inside your heart and in your mind because you're going to need it. So here's a simple, very simple question. What can you do to offer peace this week? 
What can you do on social media? You know, a lot of people aren't out there going, you know what, I, let's, let's get a balanced take on this subject. Or here's something that was really beautiful and meaningful in my life. A lot of times on social media you see stuff that's divisive, hateful, angry, one side or the other, and the other one is an idiot. What can you do in your home to offer peace? And that dishwasher is always full, right? There's always something in the sink. The den could be vacuumed, I'm guessing. There's probably a project that needs to be done. That thing that has to be said in the first three minutes arriving at home from two very different hard work days, maybe that can wait. Can it wait? Can it wait? If you were to say, and you'll probably laugh if you say it, the first time you see one another coming home from work and say, peace be with you. <laughs> see, that's what I'm saying. Peace be with you. You forgot to take the lunch today. Right? Peace be with you. The air conditioner's out again. Peace be with you. I have a flat tire and I need you to fix it. Peace be with you. We got a surprise bill in the mail because our insurance didn't cover this. If we took five seconds. In your workplace, it can be competitive. It can be snarky. You can have great fatigue. And you can pile on other people and say, that's, you know, the person four cubicles down, that's the moron. That is the person that is the difference between us being successful and not successful. What can you do throughout this week to offer peace? Because this is now placed in your hands. He says, as the Father sent me, I now send you. Did you get the significance of that? Of God who created all things became human so that humans could see exactly how it's said and exactly how it's done. So they could go and do nothing, right? No, so they could go and do exactly as to the best of their ability given their human nature to offer that peace. So out in the crowd, in your community, individually. I hope peace will be with you. And I hope that you offer it to others in the way that it was offered to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand and join us in our final hymn, number 318.
I'm grateful that you saw colors on the radar coming through, that you saw it was going to rain, that you got out of bed, you got out of your house, that you came to worship. And I hope it meant something to you. We have one more week without uh, office manager. Leslie, as we introduced last week, starts on Monday. If you have a pastoral care emergency, I hope that you'll use the bulletin number on the front and leave a message and we'll get to you as quickly as humanly possible. Go in peace. Peace be with you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.